0: In today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast.
1: We Muslims ourselves have colonized mentality. Where we're a product of a movement or an ideology that may have been influenced by a certain cultural construct. So all of this is important. At the grassroots level, it starts out with one thing, importance of of, of history. If you don't know where you came from, how do you know where you're going to go? And we can only do that if every Muslim out there Realizes the importance of the life of the Prophet in their lives and they know the sealer.
2: As salamu alaykum and welcome to the Manwire podcast. Saleem here with Adhaidar. As salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum as salam. Saleem, how are you? Good, alhamdulillah. Joining us today is. uh, is a, is a guest that we uh, are very honored to have, uh, especially since, you know, Iman Wire is part of Al-Madin Institute. And we're having someone who uh, is very well acquainted with uh, Al-Madin al Munawwarah, the city of our Prophet yeah. Sallallahu Sheikh Haseeb Noor. As-salamu Sheikh
1: Haseeb. As-salamu beautiful and wonderful to be with you guys. Honestly, it was exciting when you just told me like, hey, uh you mind being on the podcast, and I was like, yeah, it's been coming. Alhamdulillah, we've been keeping contact for a while. A so it's
2: really an pl- honor to be with you guys. Inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Actually, just before the podcast, Sheikh blew my mind because he mentioned that he uh, was in uh, the city of Albany a long time ago. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, "How did I not know who you know know you?" And he's like, "Oh, I was a little kid." So he just, I just feel really old. Uh, you know? it, was, so, it was around <laughs> the same time too. That was a crazy thing. That's a So, um, Sheikh Husi, you know, my first uh, exposure to you um, has been, I think, like a lot of other uh, people as well, has been through um your uh, your expertise in uh, the historical sites of Medina, uh, uh, related to the to the uh, the life of the Prophet um uh, you know you've uh, you've had the the privilege of being of, of having a lot of knowledge of, not just like the the places that a lot of us know, but the places a lot of us don't know uh, when we visit the city. And as a result, you've uh, you know often uh, have been the tour guide for many uh, individuals and groups coming into um, into Medina. And I wanted to sort of start off uh, to. Talk about that a little bit About number one um, This certainly is an interest that you've developed um, and, and to become an expert in this uh, What was it exactly that That got you into sort of this Really deep diving into the historical sites of the Related to the life of the Prophet uh,
1: So I mean honestly um, I was a kid that grew up in the US Went to university Faced the same kind of thing I played ball in high school So I mean the average american muslim experience diaspora kid grew up you know in america but was born in afghanistan had to have that uh, dichotomy of living two cultures that everything that you kind of used to right um and alhamdulillah when i got accepted to medina it was my third year university uh and i had to leave that kind of whole thing And my parents and family were very happy for me which is not sometimes the case with some people when they want to decide hey Mom, dad, I'm going to Egypt, right? <laughs> you know, I'm going to Syria. We're like, we're jumping ship. And they're like, you know, go be, finish your degree and all that stuff. But alhamdulillah, my parents realized what I want to do. When I got to Medina, this is like what was the changing or deciding factor for me. I looked around and like anybody that goes to Medina, they feel the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu They feel the peace, the tranquility, the love. And they see this This is not normal. The, the feeling you have there is actually, I consider it, a sign of the existence of Allah itself, right? And everybody who's been there knows that. But one thing that when you see, you go around, you see the architecture, you see the buildings, you see the, some aspect of historical nature, but you say, where did those events actually happen? You say, I'm going to be where the Prophet actually lived or walked or the life events occurred, but where? So that's actually the, the precursor to me wanting to study this. And this, subhanAllah, um, you know, growing up, you know, Salim as well, and you guys, like w- there was a certain, uh, uh, you know, uh, emphasis on the life of the Prophet sallam, through CDs that we would listen to. But one thing that I would keep telling the mashayikh that I studied with, I said, hey, why don't you guys go to Medina and do the seerah from there? And everyone's like, that's a really good idea, but we don't we don't have time. So I, I've, I, said, I used to say that for a decade, like from 2000, 2008, everybody like, hey, we should go and do seerah there. But subhanAllah, willed that I go there and kind of like study it myself. That was the precursor of wanting to study it, but studying it on site. And one thing that happened is one of my friends, his uh, name is al Khatim Umar from Canada, Um, we had that same kind of like, you know, energy of wanting to do so. One thing we learned then is that it's not a novel idea. This has actually existed from the time of the Sahaba till now where they've taught the seerah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on site physically where those events occurred. So from the Sahabi, and I was telling you this earlier, there was a Bedri Sahabi, which is narration and research that I was doing. He said that he had lost his eyesight uh, out of old age and he said to them that if I still had my eyesight... He's telling his family and students, I would take you all to Badr and I would show you Mawaq'i Nuzul Al-Malaika where the Malaika, the angels descended and how the battle took place and how Allah gave us victory on Yawm mm-hmm. Al-Furqan. So
0: this mm-hmm. is from
1: a Sahabi. This mm-hmm. is exi- This has existed. So that was the precursor of, of, of understanding that this is much deeper than, hey, a general interest of being connected to the city of the Prophet being connected to our history, being connected to our heritage and being connected to our legacy. And that's where the idea came from. It's like, okay, listen, we're spending t- our time studying here sometimes very esoteric aspects of our faith, which may not necessarily practically relate to the average daily life of people. That's what scholarship does. You go through a long process of learning to try to relate that knowledge to average people. So I was like, the the most relatable thing to people is the life of the prophets. I said, it's the application of revelation itself. That's what gives us the 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 faith itself a. A figure that we can follow and guide So that was the 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 reason why I actually started to study was for myself, and I'm telling you without any kind of exaggeration or humility, honestly, there doesn't go a day or a time that I'm not learning more, and it's been alhamdulillah, now eleven years. We're studying this with teachers, and there's people that I meet that have knowledge of, of this that I that that I didn't have before, and I'm in groups and in, and in two organizations in Medina. Uh, one of them is called the Center for Historical Studies in Medina, and people are like, what, that exists? There's something like that? Yeah, there is. And there's another place called um, uh, the Historical Studies of Tayba. Um, so there's there's multiple organizations um, that actually are centers of learning. You can each visit. They have research institutions. There's scholars dedicated to it. It's privately funded in Medina of studying this and preserving the holy sites. And they're all and, in English? No, they're in Arabic. Okay. So that's 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 the thing, right? Okay. So now where's the where's the world, right? I see. But it's all in Arabic. So they, there's actually a journal, a, an academic journal for the Center of Historical Studies of Medina, which had, they're on like issue, I think 73 or something like that. And they have uh, researchers from all over which write in Arabic and, it, and they publish. But going back, the idea being is that was the precursor of saying, okay, for me, how can I connect to the Prophet sallam, by studying his life and then finding out about the history that uh, had to do with where did the events take place and that focus was the homes of the Sahaba the homes of uh, uh, of the Prophet of course uh, the uh, historical development of the of the Masjid and where did the events actually physically take place not just in Mecca uh, in Medina but also Mecca Taif and all over right. where the Prophet actually physically uh, you know stepped on and that led me Alhamdulillah to go to even Palestine and, and study that as well there and it's it's immaculately an amazing thing that our Prophet's life is the most detailed biography, even on in historical and archaeological record, of where these events took place. So Alhamdulillah, that's that's kind of like the beginning of that journey.
2: Alhamdulillah, I mean, um, you know, this is sort of a very uh uh, beloved subject to me because as I, were men- I, was, I was mentioning to you, Sheikh, uh, earlier like about 15 years ago, yeah. I was able to go and uh, visit the Haramain and Sheikh Abdullah Qadi, you're yeah. familiar with, who was, really devoted his life, may Allah reward him, uh, to uh, cataloging many of the sites uh, using GPS technology. Right. And so th- for a lot of us, I think, on that trip, um, you know, for many people who visit um, Medina, you know, uh, you have the one ziyara day, right, <laughs> in your group, yeah, right? Yeah. And so taking Masjid Quba, which yeah. is uh, beautiful, and maybe my Right, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much okay. That's it, and then you go to Masjid Nabawi. So, right. uh, but then you know, it's it, it's very surprising, I should say, uh, and for people when they learn that there's all these other masajid, for example, even very close walking distance from Masjid Nabawi, yeah. there's these that are that are known, like mm-hmm. you know, uh, just for, for example, like you know, there's when i would go to medina like i would just take a walking tour and there's so many places you can just walk around right. al the but right. you know, all these places right. are just right around the corner right. and then people when you when when you learn of this it's people are amazed They're like this is the site where this happened right. this is the site where the prophet made this nice. prostration because yeah. of the reward of salawat things right. like that right. but like and and to me that was really like this profound experience mm-hmm. uh in in connecting Mm-hmm. With the Prophet Sallallahu, <inaudible> even something like you know, if I just like if just um, if I can share this yeah. one, uh, for example, like Masjid al right? I love Masjid al You know, it's 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 beautiful, and you know, and it's it's obviously we know the the word of the Umrah is there, and is, uh, and but there's also a close Masjid there. Going back to the history of it, right? right. The Prophet wa sallam, was visiting, and you can mm-hmm. tell the story better, Shaykh, But like you know, uh, the, coming there, that was the first place with Banu Najar, right? right? And so then when he left Banu Najar, he was going up for, further up towards where Medina proper mm-hmm. is, but he was just moving like uh, wa sallam, about uh, I think it was like a mile, less than a mile, but it took like half a day. Mm-hmm. Um, to get to where another masjid is, which is called Masjid uh, Juma, right, and that's mm. where the first Juma Masjid was. Right, right, so it's right. like you, you know, the site is there, but then when you learn of just when you walk those places, right, right. this is like really short distance. Why did right. it take a whole half day right. uh, or something to that length right. to get there? Right. The reason is being is because the Prophet is S- being S- like flocked by all these people, tribes, yeah. tribes people, and like giving him hospitality, asking him questions, and when you realize no. that, just physically seeing that, like you see that and you walk that, right. you're like. SubhanAllah, this is the love, the right. desire they had, the the yearning sure. for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the they Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. had, that they were just, just you could just imagine in your head, right. you know, that living Sirah, right. imagining him, him walking, yeah. and then all these people coming up to him. So right. that love, and then it makes you also like, well, where is my love? Exactly. Of, right. And yearning for the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So just I something just, like that, where something is, you we learn these things as you're sharing with people uh, um, that it just, brings a different character and life to the seerah right, that right. you can't get just by reading like a book. 100%. Even just by saying, oh, it's only half a mile or whatever. Yeah. But actually seeing that and, and walking that and right. understanding, well, this is where it happened. Right. Right. Know? I mean that, that that that's actually the exact point. I mean, we're trying
1: to reconnect back to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then like what I tell people honestly the, i think most of us when we grow grow up in america or the west or muslim minorities those of you listening to even muslim countries you you also face this reality is that sometimes we have uh, a cognitive dissonance in how we were taught islam uh meaning our parents did the best that they could or our teachers some of us face religious trauma you know we have we have unfortunately with a very beautiful thing attached some pain you know you're beat when you're reading the quran somebody slapped you to pray You know, to maybe even force you to wear or 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 or, uh, carry yourself a certain way. So with with something so beautiful, we have some of these negative emotions, right? Um, And what happens is people grow up because they were hit when they were reading the Quran. What what happens? They actually, inertly, have tied pain to the Quran and opening it. You understand what I'm saying? So what happens is what we're trying to do is deconstruct and reprogram ourselves and our spirituality. And what one of the best ways to do that is when you go to Medina and you and you actually learn that history to reconnect yourself with something beautiful to, to these places that you're physically you're gonna you're gonna be there you're standing and you can then recollect those stories and be told those stories you'll have a more deeper appreciation and what I call experiential reality. Right. It goes beyond the type, the idea of uh Sunday school Islam or khutbah topics or lectures. I have never seen something more impactful than actually visiting Mecca and Medina in, in, mm-hmm. in a person's life. And that's why the Prophet <laughs> himself <laughs> and Allah mentions in the Qur'an. Those who made the, uh, their home established in Medina and their faith established in Medina. And the Prophet says, um, الإيمان تعرجوا, uh, وسلم, that الْإِيمَانَ uh, faith will go back to Medina like a snake goes back to its habitat. So what does this mean? Uh, One of the great scholars, Sheikh Hamad al-Ansari, he says that a snake, if you study it, does not have a home. It creates a home. It takes the home of someone else. So he said two things about Medina. Number one, the people of Medina will never be the same. Hmm. They will constantly change. That's why at one point they were Indian scholars. And they were the ones who were the caretakers of Medina. Another point, it was the Mamluks. Another point, it was the Ottoman Turks. Another point, it was you know, uh, different people from the people of Medina itself will constantly change and will be representation of the ummah's diversity to this day. Right. And that, SubhanAllah, my teachers are from Africa, from, from Asia, from Far East, from uh, the Arab world. And now we have, alhamdulillah, scholars there from, from America as well. You know? uh, but with that being said... The, the aspect of this is home Is what Allah said Those who will make Medina their home And will find their faith in it So this concept is actually ingrained in our, in our faith That you go to Medina to reconnect back to your faith To remove some of those things that you were traumatized from faith And to reconnect with the love of the Prophet In an experiential way
2: Right. Mm. yeah I mean uh you know one of the um one of the other elements I think that is 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 at play is that you know when we were at when when I had the opportunity to go on some of this extended um touring of some of these sites uh, you know one of the uh the imams who was with us you know we we had expressed sort of this discomfort about the lack of Knowledge of these places, but also sort of the lack of historical preservation for some of them, right? Um, and that's what may may go they, those two go hand in hand. And he just made this comment. He was like, you know, in, if you're in uh, the United States and you came across, you know, you, uh, Benjamin Franklin's grandmother, oh yeah, um, sat yeah. in this house for right. two hours, and yeah. it would be like this a historically preserved yeah, site. and not only that, they'll probably bring uh, an actor that's playing Benjamin Graham <laughs> yeah. and would <will>, act <laughs> yeah. the whole thing for you
1: so you can actually cry about the whole thing too, right? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Right, so, you know, I, that's what I wanted to ask you about. I mean, like, you know, where where, where did that disconnect happen in terms of... of of us getting divorced from this hist- history, you know. I know there's a lot of factors at play, but in just terms of uh, for us here, what can benefit us in terms of connecting with that history and 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 um, you know making efforts as you are and other individuals like you to try to connect with the history, because you know, like I was, I was thinking, you know, as, as just like the Benjamin Franklin grandmother type type example, but that's mm-hmm. actually this actually actually is true there's actually things like this that that are um that are preserved there's there's efforts made like for example during world war ii Mm -hmm. where the allied forces were um they had a contingent of like of 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 museum museum people and curators and things like that actually try to go and acquire, reacquire a lot of the artifacts and art and cultural items that were being yeah. taken by the by the Germans, right? right? So so there's an active like effort being made yeah. that we need to preserve this history. Right. You know, and that has occurred and that is occurring. Like for example, like say for example in Timbuktu recently when when they had a lot of strife, right. the, the 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 museum caretakers, they hid all those manuscripts from being destroyed. So there is that we definitely have that um and seeing pockets of that being um, expressed and right. to preserve a history um, but you know what what have you seen that that we need to to um, to increase this sort of general communal awareness desire to, and yeah. awareness to do this because you you as an individual are doing this and other people are doing this but it's not I, I don't feel like it's that consciousness amongst the community that we need yeah. to strive to try to preserve um, our history
1: yeah I mean that's a very good uh, good question uh, so how, you know this requires us to dedicate our lives right This is what kind of uh, we decided. And uh, I decided to create an institution called the Legacy Institute, under which um, the main point would be to function on a level of awareness and disseminate that education to people because we are disconnected from history. We are disconnected from legacy. So one of those aspects of of that legacy is prophetic legacy, uh, which would kind of... Uh, work with directly people that would be coming and doing tours. So we do like the tours aspect, and then we do the educational component components like seminars. But then, what if you can't attend? Okay, so then there's going to be uh, literature, and then have like you know a video series on site of macro seal and micro seal of the Prophet's life. It needs to be at every single dimension and level of and type of medium that can reach people in multiple languages. We have to do that, and that that is catered first and foremost to Muslims. Because something that any, any person who understands history, bro, you will understand how disconnected we are with a reality that's been only 80 years old. 80 years old, the Muslim world was different and existed at a different level in a paradigm than the past 1000 years before it. We are literally now an exception to a reality. The way we're currently living in the postmodern era, the, the era of the nation states right which have created dichotomies within wedges amongst muslims that people have accepted those paradigms over the paradigm of islam so one of the things that we've that we've kind of like realized is in the last 100 years there has been this drastic disconnect and how how do we like you know uh, amend that is by studying and understanding history not over-dramatizing over, uh, it either, because that's also a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Not living in the grandeurs of the past and glory and kind of almost uh, excusing you know, certain things uh, in terms of our history, but rather to understand the functionality of what Islam was like. That should start out with, in my opinion, first of all, before uh, anything, in two different ways. Number one, where did, we, where did we come from? What is the life of the Prophet, and what is the functionality of the Prophet's life in Islam? So that you can understand that functionality is critical to how we move to the future. It's critical. Why? Because we believe Islam is timeless. So that guidance itself has to be timeless. And if we're not drawing from that, then what in essence do we believe? Uh, Other than a, a hollow shell, right? And it just becomes about superficial aspects. It becomes about mechanics and losing the actual objective. And then the other aspect is going from where we are backwards as well. So you have the, the life of the Prophet and the khulafa' rashidin. This is by Nas of the of this of the prophets' statement, uh, right? Where the prophet says, uh, Alaykum sunnati wa sunnati khulafa' rashidin," right? He says, follow, uh, not not just follow, like cling on, hold on, make sure you derive from my sunnah and the sunnah of these khulafa'. And he mentioned in another hadith: the khulafa' will be thirty years. Then you have the other aspect, which I believe is important and critical, is you work from where we are, and ask yourself, how do we get here? And work your way back, and that is why we're, we focus on an, another aspect called the last 100 years. Okay, deconstructing colonization and Muslim and uh, the Muslim identity, and all, every one of those words has a narrative which is strictly to us, not not the narrative construction of secularism. Right. So, what does it mean of colonization? There's two types of colonizations. One of those are colonizations of what happened in terms of you know. Imperial colonization that happened in the Muslim world Split up everyone That we see the Sykes-Picot that happened You know, your country here What happened to ours in terms of To this day, the Durand line Between Pakistan and Afghanistan, for example Right? We're talking about that for sure But there's another type of colonization Sheikh Abdul Hassan we talked about And he said that's internal colonization We Muslims ourselves Have colonized mentality Where we're a product of a movement Or an ideology That may have been influenced By a certain cultural construct so all of this is important at the, at, the, at, the, at the grassroots level. It starts out with one thing, importance of, of, of history. If you don't know where you came from, how do you know where you're going to go? And we can only do that if every Muslim out there realizes the importance of the life of the Prophet in their lives and they know the Seerah. I mean, how many Muslims do you meet on a day-to-day basis? I mean, even you listening here, right? Ask yourself, how, did you go through the life of the Prophet at least once? I mean, now there's podcasts, there's books, there's all kinds of things. And you'll you be, you be hard-pressed to find. There's, there's very few Muslims that, that can say, you know, very, very honestly, I've gone through the entire seer of the Prophet sallam. Sometimes we're in our conservative uh, uh, bubbles where, you, you know, you meet your 20 friends, all of them have gone through, like, all the series that you guys know, the famous podcasts. But if you just step outside of that bubble for five seconds, you'll see that there's a whole a group of, 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 of Muslims that are detached from it because of lack of awareness and importance and that's why it requires everyone not just like you know people who are they haven't their 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 entire life is this but you guys who are listening to it you guys are sitting here to actually disseminate the Prophet's mm-hmm. life it's an it's an individual responsibility mm-hmm.
0: yes Subhanallah, I mean uh, when it comes to that uh, point th- I'm, I'm listening to you, alhamdulillah, and, and I'm in agreement. Uh, at the same time, we uh, think about uh, learning, uh, you know, where we came from, so to speak. And mm-hmm. even in, when, when we come to realize the message or Islam in general, you know, we need to know three things. Where we came from, right. you know, uh, like in general and in the grand picture, right. uh, philosophically and right. existentially and all right, that. Right, right. What are we doing here and where we're going? You know, so that, uh, of course, that's conceptually, uh, you know, uh, very essential. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to, you know, applying this in in reality, like you mentioned, where we're coming from Mm -hmm. as Muslims, after I accept this. Right. Paradigm, there you go. Where am I coming from? I'm coming, you know, I need to understand where this came from through the Prophet, through the embodiment exactly. of Islam. Exactly. So, as a human being, I need to come from the right. life of the Prophet. <laughs> and this is also another point, you know, that, that you mentioned, <laughs> we have this kind of, uh, you know, I guess, um, way, you know, we, we always read about sitting, we always read about, uh, you know, the Prophet, والسلام, you know, when he came. Uh, when he first made the Hijrah, it was through, uh, you know, uh, you know making the Hijrah to Yathrib, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yathrib was plagued with illnesses mm-hmm. and the whole... Shenanigans of right, right, right. Yathrib and whatnot, and then when the Prophet arrived, Sallallahu right. it right. became Al-Madinah Al-Munawwarah, they it right. got purified. Right. But then we just read about this. Oh, that was interesting. That was right. cool, you know. Right, right, but right. dude, this is a message for us, you right, know. Right, right, so right. basically, we are plagued with so many things. Right, we have right. to connect, right, right, you right. know, and to connect connection to Al-Madinah Al-Munawwarah is 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 you know something that is Subhanallah very much essential, at least right. in my point of view, to purify me from all these. Uh, right. You know illnesses, and right. the last thing I want to comment right. on on the on, on the very actually uh, plaguing things of of, of, of colonization right. uh, of how we approach uh, colonization. When we do all that uh, deconstruction, Sheikh, you know. This is leaving a whole lot of the youth, you know. Right. Yeah, I still consider myself part of the youth, Salim. <laughs> uh, this, yeah, you this, are. This list leaves, yeah, although I lost a lot of hair, but uh, this leaves a whole lot of us, mm-hmm. actually, in this beidah, in this, like, desert mm-hmm. yeah. of, uh, you know, not having a landmark to, to right. because when you deconstruct all of this… right. You leave us confused, and a lot of us actually become desensitized and become not really interested in religion. Right. right. Because guess what? You 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 deconstructed a lot of the right. uh, you know shackles upon which actually religion was right. you know passed to me. You know, right. 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 and now I'm like, I really don't know what to do. Right. But uh, in my answer, and this is also the last thing I want to mention, a lot of people say, you know, uh, you know. I cannot go to Medina. What are you guys talking about? I I am very, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of Muslims cannot even travel, cannot even, you know, right. you know, some people tell us like why do you guys do the Rahla program or right. why do you guys do the Sahaba program? We can't right. even go there. I mean, right. that that's an example for those who can, but those right. who cannot, what do they do? They connect to the prophet through saw the sirah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and this is really what I wanted to say, you know, when you have all this deconstruction happening, right. you need to connect by connecting to the seerah. right. This is yeah. what brings things back.
1: Okay, exactly. And I'm and saying.
0: and and how subhanallah, this has been sought after, you know, by by yourself and, and your example is, is very enlightening. Mashallah, is cool. very uh, wow. uh, you know encouraging to be uh, to, to be honest. And uh, maybe you want to tell us a little bit more about what you're doing regarding that. Prophetic uh, legacy initiative?
1: Uh, honestly, th- th- what exactly you mentioned is what we're trying to aim for. Like mm-hmm. you said, w- the word deconstruction has its own connotation within the Western Academy. Mm-hmm. What I want us to understand is these, every word in that sentence, the last 100 years deconstructing colonization and, the Muslim, and, and, and Muslim identity, I want every one of those words to be in a narrative of Islam and Muslims. Because mm. we have our own paradigm. We function what deconstruction means. So we're not just deconstructing to deconstruct. Right, uh, Sheikh Mohammed Al-Tas has a really, really good book uh, called Islam and Secularism. And he's widely you know, accepted in, in, in the academy as well. But if you read that book, he's unapologetic Muslim. Unapologetic. He says the, the paradigm of deconstruction is built by what he calls adab. And adab meaning the, the, the Muslim uh, epistemology or the Muslim growth of education according to our own values and ideals. And that's why we, when we deconstruct, we're deconstructing things that are foreign to Islam that were built into it because of a product of, of environment, because of a product of the times. And it, it remained that way. So we're deconstructing from those aspects and re- reconstructing an epistemic isnat, right? Mm-hmm. We, that is how, what connects us to the Prophet Sallallahu And that's why one of the most amazing thing is, I won't mention the professor's name, uh, but this, this is a non-Muslim professor, okay? Very famous non-Muslim, Christian Arab. And you know what he says? He actually rejects the notions of anyone that does not have epistemic isnad when it comes to ideas and ideologies in Islam,
0: talk about Walhalak. la <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so you guys are so halaq is one of them, but this is not the one I'm referring to. This is another famous one. So Wa'il-Halaq actually has the same belief. It's so good, let's use him because he actually probably. Uh, the only reason why uh, Wa'il-Halaq has written about this, um, uh, so that's that should maybe I should just use his example. But there's another one as well, which uh, which discusses this idea of epistemic isnad, but he hasn't written about it yet. That's why I didn't want to mention it. I, see, I see. Um. Okay. But this this concept exists in in what unfortunately is now in the minds of our of young people a vacuum in thought. So what happens is they go on Amazon or they go on whatever and start reading, you know, anyone that that, that will fill and nourishes an intellectual void. And unfortunately, with that, accepting their constructs. And whether those constructs have epistemic is not, or whether they're even correct, then there's a problem. And it's become to such an extent where now the, the level of deconstructionalism is, okay, let's deconstruct from ulama completely as well. Right? Mm-hmm. I can understand. And then there's no need for this. And it and th- th- becomes a pseudo-intellectual kharijism. One, and, and I'm using those terms very powerfully. Right. Because it's almost as if you know, certain co- conceptualizations become the foundation for us accepting or, or, or rejecting. And for us, that epistemology is Islam. It has to ha- it has to be rooted in the Prophet. It has to be rooted in in our in Sharia, right? It has to be from the Quran, the Sunnah, or what the scholars interpret it as an accepted interpretation or rejected interpretation. So if it's not within that paradigm and you're creating it yourself, and the philosophies that you're creating, it b- leads to a much deeper problem of just not just deconstructing, but then you're deconstructing Islam within and of itself. And this is this is becoming um, I think a little bit um uh, prevalent among us, very small sector of Muslims in, in, in America that, you know, we're, we're, we're also succumbing to exceptionalism, man. Mm. Honestly, you know, we in America, we're like, we think we are the Muslims everyone should listen to. You know, this level of exceptionalism, when you just step out of America for a little bit, go to Turkey, we're talking about deconstruction. No, they preserved Islam to this day. You, you, and I went to, I went to um, uh, Britain and they have a heritage commission. Oh, my God. Mashallah. There is nothing I have seen like the British preserving their heritage. They said the queen won't be able to change a church. That's how powerful the heritage commission is. You cannot, if you get in a building that's considered a, a heritage building, you won't be able to change a, a, a brick on the wall, right? So that level of preservation, we might say, hey, where is that in the Muslim world? I could easily do that. Right. If you just go to Turkey... If you go to, in Malaysia and some other, you know, even uh, uh, parts of the uh, African countries, you have that level of heritage preservation as well. So we sometimes project. I'm sorry, man. We've
0: been watching too much Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: you understand what I'm saying? So we can't fall, we cannot succumb to exceptionalism. We can't. You're the top 1% of this world. Just go step out of your own kind of dynamic and paradigm. And when you do that, you'll learn to appreciate our heritage more. And that's what, you know, honestly, it was very humbling when, you know, I, I, I met a Turkish haji, right? And he's taking pictures of every single thing in Masjid Nabawi, you know, the cup, the door, you know, like, I, and I'm just like, you know, it's just an American exceptionalist kid, right? I go up to him, you know, haji, worry about your ibadah. And he looks at me and says, do you know that I've waited my entire life to come here? He says that you, where are you from? He's in America. He said, you can come here anytime you want. We have a quota in our country. Only 100,000 or whatever can come. Even if I have the money, I can't come. So I'm trying to preserve everything that I see so that I remember it. So that cup and that doorknob actually has meaning to me more than anything you have. Any a person in America can tomorrow, just stop drinking Starbucks for a year and maybe have enough money to go to Umrah, right? And they can, they can uh, easily maybe work an extra shift or two and, and get the money to go. Yeah, I mean, in most cases, we're not trying to uh, obviously caricaturize as well, but uh, it, it, there, are, there are situations where we as Muslims kind of have to st- take a step back. And it requires intellectual humility and in saying, look, you are not an exception to the world. Rather, what it's required from us is to understand our heritage, understand that legacy, connect to it, deconstruct the aspects which, which need deconstructing, but then build on a paradigm of values based on education and knowledge. And you have to have an epistemic isnat. Where did it co- where did it come from? Where is your worldview based on? And I can list the whole things where it's being based on today, right? Uh, which is another another podcast, inshallah. <laughs> but but my and this relates to your question, just to just to get to it. And that is what we're trying to do. You have now, alhamdulillah, many organizations, Al Madina Institute itself, mashallah. You have now. We need more of this. It's and no one is competing with one another. This it's actually a service. Every time I see another institution come up. I'm so happy. Do you know why? Because it's going to go beyond the surface level seerah that we're we're asking people. It's going to go to depths and we need deep reading of the sirah. So for example, you mentioned Quba and and how beautiful the Prophet was and then you mentioned the idea of purification of the Prophet arriving. There's a a deep level to both of these aspects. One of them is the Prophet would go to Quba every Saturday. Saturday Saturday is what on the Jewish calendar?
2: What is it called? Sabbath. Sabbath. They
1: don't technically... What yeah,
2: do technically can, work? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah, technicalities. Really I'm not or, trying to, I don't, yeah. I'm not a
1: Jewish scholar. But the point being, Sabbath, technicality, in that time, they weren't working. What did the Prophet say? Why did he choose Saturday? It's a mm. type of community ties. Mm. Every single Saturday for 10 years, the Prophet says him, is going through the Jewish neighborhoods and he's having conversations with them. How are you? It's not just about the Umrah, it's about community relationships. That's how, and not only that, consistent community
2: relationships right so this is the the level of depth we need to read into this requires institutions that, and that, that's the beauty of of this because I, I, my own experience and i think for a lot of people who do visit um, is when you see these different like you just mentioned a beautiful example of the of of Quba, mm-hmm. of that communal relations like uh, for example, some of the uh, the Masala area Where Masjid al yeah. is, is You know, uh, that was the area Where the Prophet designated as the marketplace right. So you start to see, it starts to come together right. In your mind that this is a way A holistic way of life mm-hmm. That this is not just um, our Salah Right. In in the masjid, but this is he's coming to Medina wa sallam, and he's enacting public health initiative. He's enacting right. a new marketplace. He's Welfare making the system. Muslims a unique right. um, identity in terms of like their self sustaining, so not reliance right. on the other uh, other tribes and things like. So you exactly. it starts to come together, and I think as a kid, right. I know for me, from when I the first time I went to the Haramain as a kid, mm-hmm. seeing the physical places was as as powerful as being near the Kaaba. Allah like, you go know, ahead. going to Jabal Noor, right. walking up to Jabal Noor, right. I mean, as a kid, there's nothing right. better than like walking up a mountain, right, right, you know, right, it's right. just fun, that's true. right? But that connects with you so much and you mm-hmm. start to think, I still remember going up there and, and someone was saying, this is the, you, you can see from the cave, you can see the, the Kaaba from right. that that one yeah, that exactly. one area, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's a powerful like experience, especially mm-hmm. for our, our, our young people. To connect with that and see Islam as, because I mean, really, what is one of the tragedy of our modern time as Muslims is Muslims that we, we we compartmentalize Islam right. as this very just sort of religion, not the holistic way of life right. that the way the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was. Right. And that, and by bringing in all these, these this this in depth knowledge as right. you, and these sites, right. it really brings that to life. You know 100%. that living life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.
1: I mean, I mean, you guys, you guys hit the nail on the on the head. The idea is that you know what is our con- con- conceptualization of faith itself religion the word religion does not exist in islam right mm-hmm. <laughs> we call it din islam we don't call it or something like that and the the word religion has a, a eurocentric understanding it was it comes from the as you all know the the the, the protestant reformation mm-hmm. right and the idea that the church became corrupt so those those conceptualizations are you you, you see that creeping in within our muslim uh, community because Again, it's novel. It's an idea that they're exposed to. But one of the questions that I have is, listen, before you're going out accepting all, the, uh, all these philosophies and epistemology or understanding or whatever you want to call it, did you understand where we're coming from in the paradigm of Islam and the functionality of literally 1400 years of scholars and Muslim thinkers and thought and the philosophies? And the answer is usually no. So I'm just like, okay, so you're, you're asking us to adopt something foreign and you yourself haven't grounded yourself in something that's foundational. And that's that's scary.
0: It's scary, yeah. It's very. Uh, it, I mean, it's heavy also too. I yeah, mean, I mean, these words, these topics are like. Yeah, know, I mean, like where do we begin? <laughs> I mean, this is just like you know. I, I mean, I, I, we certainly don't want to have um, our listeners to you know yeah come out with come out with that feeling. I mean, there's – I guess it starts with a personal reading. 100%. Uh, you know, and Tying the to time, the Prophet
1: yeah. re, as, as simple as starting out with a podcast, starting out with visiting Medina, as Salim keeps, like everyone wants to go you know, with, with Salim and I, inshallah, Medina. But mm-hmm. uh, the idea being is it requires you to make an effort, personal effort. Like, okay, you can be, you can live in the comfort of your life, but you got to ask yourself, do you want a, a faith of comfort or do you want to be comfortable in your faith? Right. And and that's a hard question for people to kind of get to, right? And and uh, we want people to realize that Allah asks of us very simple things, but at the same time, there's also a legacy that we have to preserve, and that is not just like novel, in in the sense of an it's outside of outside of your own uh, realm. It's as close as your own children, your wife or your husband. They're gonna eventually have to you have to teach them something, right? You have to yourself know what that is. Okay, so uh, it'll come to you eventually, uh, and that's why. Hajj and Umrah are so beautiful. Because I have people who come to Hajj and Umrah, they've never prayed in their life. I'm not, I'm not joking with you. They don't know uh, any of the, uh, of the famous names at all. And there's so many of Muslims. like You're like, how do you not know this person and that person? It's like they have 2 million followers on Facebook or whatever, mashallah, right? And they're like, well, I don't know who that is. And there's there's tons of people like this. You know, people who've break, broken through the cracks. And they're not within the conservative social bubbles. But they're very influential as well. Alhamdulillah. Or, or they're just you know just not there uh, because of religious trauma that, that disenfranchised them. But you know what? <laughs> the institution of Islam is amazingly built. And that's why it's Rabbani. It's from Allah. Hajj forces you go back to Allah. You have to make Hajj at the end of the day. Every Muslim knows this. So I have people that are in their 60s, 50s, and 40s, 30s even that come to Hajj. Sometimes multimillionaires, right? And they come back to Islam because of just the experience. Not anything I've said I've just presented it to them, but just because of finding the purity of what that faith is. So guess what? It did all of that deconstructionalization without all these fancy words that I used for the past twenty minutes. It just does it naturally. It's from Allah.
2: Masharabani. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: I think it sort of touches, uh, sort of connects us to sort of a second sort of topic that we wanted to talk because about um, recently you've you've been discussing the um in particularly as it relates to what I guess you could call it sort of the crisis in uh, spirituality and uh, even uh, manhood in a lot of our Muslim males, right. uh, I think now. Um, and I think it connects just because you mentioned something about like, you know, connecting with experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, like a lot of people do, they may leave the religion, uh, but a lot of times they'll remember things of how they grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the household, the love that was in their household, the love of the Prophet, so I said, I the see love see. of the Salah. Yeah. And maybe they drifted away from it, but as they get older, a lot of times they'll return back to that eventually right. because of that experience. And I think that actually ties into this idea, uh, and I'll let you expand about it upon um, sort of the crisis of a lot of the, the behavior of a lot of us as men, mm-hmm. as Muslim men, who have become sort of. Uh, uh, distance from that right. um, for for different reasons. Right. So I was wondering if maybe you could sort of touch on that and some of the things that you've been trying to bring awareness to.
1: Uh, you know, honestly, this this is a very deep topic, but just to just to get to the point, one of the things that happens is when we have what we call way, right? A person comes to faith and they have uh, an awakening, right? They 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 come to an awareness of what the importance of spirituality and faith is. So then they move towards that faith, it and then they have a a sense of a decision to make. What is the you know a practice of faith that they're going to adopt? And unfortunately, for many young people who don't have spiritual mentors and guidance, it becomes a binary. It becomes a dichotomy. What in black and white is very simple. Why? Because if something is, and something and someone is telling you this is this is wrong completely. This is all completely culture has nothing to do with it. It's that move away move away from it. What happens? Easy to accept. Black and white. خلاص. This is an innovation, this is haram, this is whatever. And you're, you're, you're moving on with your life, you create this dichotomy. And this becomes very, very problematic. And, and, and this kind of mentality, uh, when you don't have the idea of nuance in, in, in our tradition, uh, leads a lot of young men to become very hostile. And they adopt an idea of manhood and the practice of faith based on that, which is also foreign to Islam, even though they might be within that kind of paradigm. So I, I saw, I started seeing a, a, a rhetoric which was very toxic in its nature. And uh, unfortunately, using examples from the Sahaba, using examples from our tradition, which are misquoted, misunderstood, and decontextualized, and even ahistorical. And one of them, for example, is like Umar Allahhu being right. harsh. Like right. we're going to be harsh like right. Umar because Islam uh, accepts all kind of personalities. Uh, SubhanAllah, when you read the entire life of Umar, you see the progression of his, of his character. Mm -hmm. And that is why the most beautiful thing is that our faith is based on the practice of our Prophet right? Not any one Sahabi. Because that Sahabi, even Umar, went through a progression in character, went through a progression of his own personality to the extent when he is ready to lead, he steps on the minbar. He literally raises his hands, he makes a dua. He says, oh Allah, I'm harsh, make me soft. Right? And he says says after that, getting up on the member, those of you who say that Umar will be harsh against them, that has passed. Umar, so every, I want you to imagine every moment that you saw harshness in the seal of the Prophet yes. or, in, or in Abu Bakr, right. what would happen? The Prophet is the one correcting Umar who would say, oh. no, that's not right. Abu Bakr would say, no, Umar. Right? Or he would correct Umar So when Umar is now a leader, He's learned from the discipline of the Prophet. <laughs> so what happens? Ahistorical, decontextualized understandings of faith in a binary or dichotomy, which are not, which are not correct. And this is why it's so important, again, going back to the first topic and coming in and relating it to this, for you to have a teacher who is, is not only understanding of the con of the context that we live in, but can also draw from our history and from that legacy of the Prophet and the Sunnah and the Sahaba's understanding that. Will be applicable in our time, but also contextualized for people. And if you don't have that, as the scholars say, if you make your, te- uh, your uh, a book your teacher, you'll find that you're you being wrong is much more than you being right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because w- w- who's giving you context? In fact, one of the things I've you know you know I've studied Islam and Sharia for like eleven years, uh, formally. Right. Before that, even longer in America, but almost now two decades, and I can safely tell you that it's the most scariest thing to give an answer to somebody and not understand their context. Mm, mm. Right. To give a, a ruling to someone is only a branch of understanding its reality. So we have now um, this problem of of manhood and its construction, which has actually led to, you know, more religious trauma of people being, you know, pushing others away based on this false, uh, false understanding. And what you have... Um, you, you, you know, you see we're not really solving that, that problem. And the Prophet Wasallam's example again is the solution. When you look at the epitome of what a man should be is the Rasulullah and how he dealt with his family. Is that that, that uh, application of the verse of the Qur'an where Allah says that, men are the caretakers and those who uphold the responsibility of women and, and their families. Right, we, we see that that's not happening. Spiritual maturity isn't there. Financial maturity isn't there. You don't have psychological maturity that's not there. So you have f- four levels of maturity which are talked about in the Quran in one word, rushd, right? Someone who reaches a level of maturity that now they're of age to be a, uh, the breadwinner and the, the one who's taking care of the family. So you don't have that. And what happens is, and I'm not saying this in a bad way because whatever, right? But you have like people who are 28 in, in their thirties, playing Fortnite, still in, living in their parents' homes, like what are you doing? I'm not saying Fortnite is wrong, yeah. but I'm saying like where is your maturity? And then when when and you see when people are get are mar- getting married, and divorce is happening, it's not necessarily because of incompatibility, which is fine. Divorce yes. is something right. Halal in Islam. It's because people were not mature. They didn't learn how to communicate with another woman, with another man, or understand how to cater, right? So that level is a destruction of 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 uh. The very foundation of what Islam teaches in terms of how we should deal with one another, that starts with manhood and womanhood, right? So um, this is something that I wrote, I said, and, and I wrote it on uh, International Men's Day. I was like, I believe there's a spiritual crisis among men because we can compare, look at the involvement of how much of our faith activities have in women involved compared to men. Right. Like 70% to 30
0: Right and this is why we're we're talking about manhood. You basically I mean people say well, why are you talking about women because women are, are connected mashallah to at least yeah. statistically you know yeah. uh, to 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 more aspects of the deen and and when and you cuz I'm not
1: a woman right, <laughs> right. I, mean, <laughs> I mean I mean, I mean of course joke, right? you know, well people
0: yeah. keep talking about you know women issues and they should you know yeah. uh, but there's also that neglect that sometimes happen 100%. you know uh, that happens on on our side and and the the maybe if you can touch a little bit uh, on on the concept of rujula, you know, like yeah. the, the the idea of. What I mean, uh, Rajul, uh, especially Quranically, you know, refers to men and women. Right. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to what makes you a Rajul, what makes you a man, uh, right. so to speak, you know, to carry on that kind of responsibility. And, right. and the harshness that you mentioned, you know, uh, if somebody wants to be harsh, like Umar, let him respond the same way yeah. that Umar responded, Allah, right. when when a woman stood up in, in the middle of the masjid and 100%. they told him, like, you did this and this. And he was like, you know. Umar is wrong. Umar is wrong, yeah. you know. So, so be be
2: like, be a man like Umar, you know. I or guess, taking uh, care of his family. Yeah, or we know taking how care he, of his family. Yeah, that's right. one thing I think is neglected. Is that we know how? we have reports of how he was with his family, and it's yeah, quite well, a different from like what the, the whole
1: book can be written on it, right? And that's what I, that's what I teach in my class on succession of the the lives of Umar. Is is this idea that we're looking at these stories? In, in completely free of their the the lives right. of these people like in the context in which they lived and the other examples which created their personality and cherry picking like this is what creates you know unfortunate you know i don't know how to describe it but very like heterodoxical ideas things that are not part of our faith um and you know rujula or manhood in islam this is something that i think we also need to hear from women as well, right? We have now, alhamdulillah, in our community, we used to say there's no women scholars. There's plenty of women scholars now. So this, there should be a conference on this. There should be a discussion on this. There should be material on this because you'll understand from the lenses of different scholars, like we, we have to be accepting of this idea that, uh, you know, our, our faith comes from the qualified, okay? So it doesn't matter what your gender is, right? But that perspective is important, to the extent Ibn Hajar said, I had 80 scholars who were, who were women. I And I have teachers who are women. That's important. And you see a different lens, right? Um, and, 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 and when it comes to this, this idea of, of, of manhood, one of the problems is honestly, wafa'ul ahd, like just fulfilling your covenants. Right. And another thing is just the level of just dignity. Right. So if you look at, unfortunately, social media being the, 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 the unfortunate um, uh, thing that we're all involved in, this idea that I'm gonna subcoach you and I'm going to speak about you in an evil way, this is like a lack of manhood you know what I mean right you, you you this shows me that like we don't know how to communicate not only that but within even the Islamic paradigm of how I can respect your honor and say, hey, let me talk to you one- on one even though you might have done right. something wrong right. let, let's just say let's let's discuss it but like you know, Subtweeting tweeting and sub right. uh, whatever and doing facebook post passive aggressiveness of Name mentioning calling, people's yeah. names and right. this is this shows you a lack of manhood in, in general like honestly this is really problematic um but none of this will be fixed if a person doesn't realize again where what is your foundation and understanding of your practice of faith where is it coming from your worldview who
0: are you taking it from and, and by the way that kind of uh, connotates to, to something else uh, and you mentioned it, uh, earlier uh, in, in your remarks when you were talking about epistemology mm-hmm. uh, you know adab is part of our epistemology you know it, it yeah, people right. right now like right away like please don't don't quote me with Edub yes. and, and box me in and you know right. like this is you know, you're, you're, you're silencing yeah. my voice you're silencing right. <laughs> my voice et cetera and all that you know I mean there there's a nuance there's an approach to things there's, there's you know uh, a way of, of approaching a, a man or a woman or or any or a topic yeah th- there's a if you are not going to abide by that you know right. even online then we have basically chaos you know right. we have uh, again the ultimate deconstructionism exactly. that <laughs> another <laughs> facet of it you know right, right. but uh, but another thing that was very uh, subhanallah very, very touching uh, when when scholars or ulama talk about rajula right. again men or women uh you know they talk about tahara Right. You know they talk about like, purity, the, al the Right. Al-batin wal kharij, you know, right. you know. So if you're a man, you know, right. first of all, you know, approach yourself, you know, with you know, purifying yourself internally. Right. right. That when I'm talking to others, when I'm upholding responsibility. What's my intention? What's right. my intention? Right. You know, right. and and, uh, and and that was very, very. I mean, and we keep talking about the first thing about fiqh is tahara. Right. It's not just taharat thawb yeah. or badan. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's something else that is far more deeper and more. Intrinsic in, in your, uh, you know, Imani uh, buildup so-
1: This is why even Imam al-Ghazali When, he's, when he opens his in, in this He said that the de- the deconstruction If you want to use the same terminology Of religion When people are just chasing the zawahir These superficialities Is because we've lost this aspect And you have fuqaha abdan You don't have fuqaha qulub. Mm. He says you have people who are knowledgeable Of the structure, mechanics But nothing about the heart and he says, when those things are separated, you saw the chaos in the Muslim Ummah at that time. You have the Fatimiyun and the are, uh, like fighting over each other. The, the Madrasa Nidlamiyah became a place where people uh, went for status and position. And the ivory towers that we talk about now, right? It became about the Madaris. And to the extent that the Madahib started to fight over one another, whether you could pray behind each other or not, while the crusades are happening. Strong so way. complete loss of like and he's literally more or less if you read just just go read the introduction he's like we basically have lost our minds what is wrong with you right he literally says how can you the ta- d- you will you you're you're wasting your life on not understanding what the sharia came for right so we, we can't lose sight of these things There's the bigger picture is always present in even our communications so one one of the things that also is i think uh, adding to this is the extremes, mm. right? So we have toxic masculinity, which is a, which is a reality, right? Of course. So suppression of, uh, of 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 men being able to have spaces where they feel welcomed and being challenged spiritually, but challenged in a way that is welcoming to them, and that where they can honestly, genuinely feel that there's mentorship mm-hmm. and there's care, right? you see that it's almost non-existent in some places, in some spaces within the Muslim community. So where are you going to find that? You're going to find it in elements of toxic masculinity, Mm
0: -hmm. right? Two wrongs don't make a right. Exactly.
1: And what you find is these two aspects of not addressing manhood, not addressing then toxic masculinity, and not providing the spaces for our young men. I'm talking about the grassroots level, at the tarbiya level, at the taking a, 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 a young man aside, some who don't have father figures. Right. some of them who who don't have father figures metaphorically because there was never shown love and they're' they're, they're projecting that anger in, in in very uh you know uh hostile kind of uh emotional uh, which is called projection in psychology right they're projecting and you can't just take them aside and rip apart the masks and the facade that's that they carry that projection in and just give them a hug and say, hey, man, what's the problem like you know tell me what what's going on you don't have that. And it requires being. It requires people to be in their lives and separate uh, the dichotomies of social media, which is fake, right? It's not reality. But what we've done is separate our faith in this kind of like digital way. And we need to go back. We need to actually deconstruct from Twitter, right? Deconstruct from social media. Use it as a tool rather than having our conversations in that medium. Have it on in, in, in a medium where action I can personalize you, like we're having right now, right? Right. Um, and just, that, that needed to be mentioned, but ultimately we need just places where we can have these genuine conversations take place, right? We can have people who have uh, genuine concern and, and uh, grievances and to not negate those grievances, to have a communication, but tend to build a, a practical solution rather than just yelling and shouting at each other or not being able to construct what Islam actually teaches us. So there's a you give me and I take, right? And then I give you and you take. And when we can have those conversations about real major issues in our community outside of the medium of, of the digital, that's when we can grow. But then when it when the entire conversation is happening online and you have you have another problem, which our scholars are not addressing them very honestly, which is true. We don't. We don't sometimes address the major issues of our community. You have people then lost. So the conversations have to take place, and it might hurt. It might be painful. But then, if you're not addressing it at all, then where are people going to find their solutions, right? And in light of everything we just talked about, right. so you're talking about you can't stop life, right? You have to you have to deal with what the what the problems of the community are now. But at the same time, if you don't stem and and are founded and grounded in values and 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 a system and a paradigm and an understanding, whatever word you want to use for how your world view of is is grounded in islam then we're just arguing and it won't end you know it will it'll just be it'll just be your word against mine and uh, this idea of uh, of subjective right subjective truth huge problem right then then what in fact is binding us when allah gave us this religion of islam
2: right? so uh, you know in um, in to follow your instructions because we're running out of time here because we, and we have to fulfill our promises as, 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 as as you mentioned, it's one of the elements of, of, of of being (laughs) uh, of a true manhood. Uh, just as a final point, Mm -hmm. um, uh, bringing this all together, what are your, some of your advices or tips about in terms of, of grounding ourselves in the, uh, in the, uh, um, the experiential learning and practicing of the Sierra of learning the life of the Prophet What are some tips or advice you can give for all of us in terms of grounding ourselves in that, so that we can um you can we can grow and move forward,
1: right? So Alhamdulillah I mean, uh, you know, always uh you have the podcasts uh that 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 are out there. You you know, listening to a podcast from beginning to end about the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is very important. Uh, you have a number of them. Alhamdulillah Sheikh Abdul Janga has it, Sheikh others as well. Um, and just you know, there's that's one thing, and an element also of practicality, um. Then it would be if you have something in your own community, which is beyond just the digital, right, where you can contextualize the Prophet's Hashem's life, you can ask questions, mm. you can say, hey, I don't, get, I don't understand how we can implement this today. You know, like just yesterday, you know, the famous statement of the young man who asked uh, if he could, you could know, have uh, mm-hmm. a sex outside of marriage right. and the Prophet him responded in a way which made that young man realize it's wrong. He mm-hmm. said, you know, people wouldn't like this for their own, you know, women and their folk and their family. And the man understood. So he said that somebody tried this with a young man in our time. He's like, yeah, so it's their choice. They can do whatever they want. So that doesn't right. work, right? The whole point is the Prophet's accessibility and the fact that he can understand a a uh, the mentality of this young man for him to make him understand. So sometimes it's not about physically being literal to the to the to the way of the Prophet ﷺ, but rather the context the context or contextualizing it, right? So this is what we're talking about. You won't get that by just listening to something or reading it. You're gonna get that when you have a question and answer with a teacher and you believe, I benefit from my students, I swear, all the time. Like there's something I didn't think about and somebody will always benefit with me. And that's one. The second is um, we need a deep reading, man. We need a deep reading of Sila. Sometimes people go through one Sila book or two or a podcast and they think that now Alhamdulillah, You've got the general uh, idea of now application of that. We need to go beyond the superficial. So you have, mashallah, like Sheikh Mikhail Smith has a really good book on the prophetic uh, right. emotional intelligence. That is what we need, man. We There's another one by Nabil Aziz on the, uh, I think, 11 leadership habits of the Prophet so, Rahimahullah, he passed away recently. Uh, so books like this is what we need. We need more of it. We need to know like community building. We need to know uh, on an individual basis the, prophet, the prophetic society, is something I'm working on, inshallah, talking about how the Prophet constructed the architecture, the city, the general welfare of the community. This is something I'm focusing on. The prophetic masjid, the prophetic family. So these ideas you know, are something that we need to dig extremely deep and not just the surface level of the famous uh, love story of Khadija and the Prophet how the Prophet dealt with Aisha and she became a scholar. We're not talking about that we're talking about okay when there was a problem between in-laws how was that how was that fixed how did they communicate in times of difficulty and there's like tons of stories tons of benefit respecting each other's status and responsibility while everyone knows their place still and an in-law will not overstep their bounds and a, and a and a, a, bro, a, a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law will not step their bounds either and they respect their parents and their and their and their each other's Families, for example. Now, these kind of discussions require research, require time, require you to sit, right? Alhamdulillah, inshallah, the more people, like you all, study the seerah, I want you all to, on the side, have thoughts, like a thought book, right? And write down your deep thoughts that you can derive from yourself. Take those thoughts, expound on them, and then show it to a teacher. Hey, what do you think about this? Subhanallah, you'd be surprised. Like, wow, you came up with something that's not even written in, in, written before sometimes. Right? In terms of just in, in, in practice and, and its nature. So I think, uh, alhamdulillah, the more we have institutions that do this, people uh, who study Islam uh, and, uh, and reach a level I call scholastic literacy. Okay, So becoming a scholar is decades. Okay, If you don't know Arabic, you will never be a scholar. Straight up. Let's, 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 let's make that clear. All right, And then if you, if you haven't spent decades studying, you will not become a scholar. But there's a, le- there's a mid-level every Muslim should reach. Every Muslim. And that's the level called scholastic literacy. You become literate in our tradition and understanding the scholarly discourse and you can then derive and benefit at a level where you can, with a teacher, see what's right, what's wrong, etc. and benefit society at every level. That requires no longer than two years. Literally, it's a two-year like system that we can develop and we're developing, inshallah, Alhamdulillah, Al-Madin Institute does this With the Sohba program, for example You have Qalam, you have seminaries like IOK, you know, Tayseer Seminary There's so many examples Alhamdulillah, you know, you can keep going Right, we have all of these different examples They're all trying to get people At the level of scholastic literacy What happens when you're at that level? You're like, I'm not a scholar That's amazing, it's actually right? it's, 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 a, it's a form of like free, freedom, right Because you know where, you are, where you're at and what you can do and then you can benefit at that level. And alhamdulillah, our, our community is developing. And our community is developing in a, in a very positive way. And uh, the only thing we need is a little bit of direction. And the only thing we need is, is young people to just have that, that, that genuine earnestness and and you could say motivation to realize that Islam is something I have to invest in. Just like you're trying to invest to get that house and you know tr- your, your education, you have to invest in Islam. You have to study. Um, and just take that first step, inshallah. So it pretty much it. Come to Medina, right? I'm like, yeah, no. I, I feel
2: like we're just getting started, but we have <laughs> to. Yeah. Uh, we have to do a follow inshallah, up. Maybe yeah. inshallah. Yeah, maybe um, in Medina, inshallah. Inshallah. you all khair for letting us take some of your busy time, and you have a really busy, busy time here. But we're very honored to have been able to have this conversation with you. Um, and um, I hope that people can continue to follow up your work, and we look forward to uh, to more uh, of what um, you'll be able to uh, uh, produce, inshallah. You're Um Thank you, Ghaydar for uh, joining me Excellent. again in this conversation, it's an honor to be and with uh, you guys. thank you to all the listeners uh, again. If you're listening to us on iTunes, give us five stars, uh, give us your feedback, um, tweet at us, and um, remember again, please share the podcast with friends and family, anyone you think might benefit. And until then, we'll see you the next time. alaikum, peace be unto you. I'm